and loudly slurp my coffee. We've started. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome to Praise Dionysus. Oh, praise, praise him. him. Hey, ah. Yeah. Hi. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Ha. Oh, yeah. Uh, today, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about My Mum Died and I Want to Sing About It by Jack West, mm-hmm. David Massingham's Little Sketchbook of Horrors by David Massingham, and The Milk Next Door by Marilyn Letter. So excited to be here. It's all part of our fringe... Of being stuck inside a refrigerator. Oh, that's good. It's good wordplay. It's a bad way to go. It's a bad way to go. Unless you're Indiana Jones. Does he die in a fridge? Fringiana Jones. Well, he uh, (laughs) survives a nuclear blast by getting into a fridge. Oh, great. Well... Climb into this fridge with us. <laughs> and and let's... survive the nuclear fallout of Fringe Festival. Yeah, that sounds like our podcast to me. <laughs> Praise Fringinisis. <laughs> uh, Jake just hit record and then pointed at me. So. You were getting pretend impatient for not starting the recording. So no, that I just was real. Went... That was real. I was just <laughs> bored. Um, uh, guys, write in. What do you think of Fringe Dionysus or Praise Fringionisis or Praise Dionysi Fringe? <laughs> at the end of our entire session, we've now decided to think of a name. So what do you think of those ones? Okay, this is fully an exercise that James is instigating. And we are also going to pe- take people's non-entrance into this poll as no's. <laughs> <laughs> so all 8 billion of you not writing in. That's a lot of no's, James. <laughs> a lot of people don't want this. And also you cannot keep saying Praise Fringe and Isis because it sounds like you're saying Praise Fringe and Isis. <laughs> I think, you know, they cohesively organised, you can't argue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to keep ice skating past that. (laughs) Ice skating. (laughs) Um, So, um, between recording the last episode and starting this one, we, I made you instant coffee and you said that it tasted watered down. It does. I still stand by it. It tastes watered down, but it's still nice. Still good. Jake uses, Jake lives in a swamp and is an ogre. Mm. So all of his crockery is oversized. So the mugs that I'm currently holding, I can't wrap my two hands around. Like, they can't touch. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it now. Jake, look. None, neither my fingers nor the palms of my hand are touching. That's how big this mug is. So I think it's just a, the lack of coffee in the amount of water this mug holds mm-hmm. is all. Um, it is nice, though. It's hazelnut flavoured. Uh, and that is why I'm going to give my last, I guess, 20 minutes... Um, a how many liter? How many mils do you reckon are in this cup? Four hundred and fifty. That's how many stars I'm giving it. Oh wow! Yeah, great. You're giving the coffee that you didn't like four hundred fifty no, stars. No, I'm giving my last twenty minutes four hundred fifty stars. I give the coffee. Don't answer. Don't say. Don't say it'll hurt too much. No, it was going to be nice. No. It was going to be good. I doubt that because you're the second person to go on record criticizing me for the size of my crockery. Who's the first? Joel Beasley. <laughs> to be fair, it's big crockery. It's not that... It's a normal-sized crockery. The two of you... Well, Joel definitely has tiny hands. Ha! <laughs> I have tiny hands! Do you? I have an adorable, petite little hands. Oh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Jake's got big crockery. You heard it first. Let, or second, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> let's move on. So yes. how was your last 20 minutes? My last 20 minutes was fine. It was fine. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't understand, we are recording these episodes multiple times in one day. So we've actually... This is now... 
the fourth? It's round? a real marathon. I think four or five. I don't know. Who knows? Some I've lost track of time. Either way, it's really fun though. It's fun. I'm having a good time, but it does mean that we do lose track of what's happened. Oh yeah. What is truth? What is reality? Oh, don't do that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Let's not pull at those no, threads. No, no. Yes. No. The last twenty minutes has been okay. Um, because of um a show that we're going to be talking about. I do have a particular song from Oklahoma stuck in my head. Which one? Um, Oklahoma. Okay. L A H O M A. Do you have a written production of Oklahoma? No, but I. I saw a production of Oklahoma once, which is much less of a story. Well, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> I've never seen any po- Oklahoma. All those shows like Oklahoma, My Fair Lady, Dolly, whatever it is, I just don't... They feel like a different world and I've never seen any of them. Like the golden age of musical theatre, as it's called. I've never seen any of them. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. avoid them? No, not on purpose. It's just when they're in town, I never really care about them because I think... That's such an old story. Right. But I'm sure, I'm sure if I went and saw some, I'd be pleasantly surprised, but I don't know. Just, I really I've wish... i never engaged with any of them. No, that's fair enough. I think with some of them, and especially, I guess... I, I guess, I, for some reason, my mind is telling me to say that when they tend to come to town, the ones that we are kept abreast of are the larger main stage versions of these productions. Yeah. And so often, because of where they're... Like, the stages that they're on the productions have to appease a particular demographic and that often eventuates in very unadventurous adaptations and presentations of these old musicals. Cinderella. And Cinderella. The most recent production of Cinderella. Well, I think that almost sits differently in the way that they tried to be quite progressive with that Cinderella. It's just that was part of why it sucked so bad. Yeah, but where, when it, even thinking about what was the one where Marina Pryor played like a Vietnamese woman? Oh, what yes. Was, <laughs> was that, that oh, was on Hello God. Dolly, was it? That uh, was Bye Bye Birdie? No, no that was... Um, what is, um, forget about the boy, forget about the boy, forget about the boy. What's that? That's, um, oh, thoroughly modern, modern, modern Millie. Thoroughly, thoroughly modern, modern Millie. Millie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, even when they, when Lisa McCune had that spate of like the King and I. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, which was a fine production, but like it's, it's, it's a, it's a culturally awkward show. A white lady teaching yeah. people in Asia how to bow better. I, and also, when they so rarely cast a person of colour to play the king. Yeah. <laughs> Obs I am. The king. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so those productions tend to just be of... Still, like, maintain so many of their classical traits that make them feel quite culturally irrelevant, oftentimes insensitive, and also not very artistically interesting Definitely to someone with a contemporary sensibility. But in a smaller scale production, they might be able to get away with doing some more kooky things. Well, I wonder what some of the rights look like, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, then, but then there's also the thing of like, it's so fun when people can be experimental, like with the Deaf West Spring Awakening, which I get, which certainly doesn't count as like a golden age musical. Mm. But then as you know, with Oklahoma, that like fairly recent production where they paired it back and did it in the round on, I think it was on Broadway, oh. Or like Broadway adjacent, and it had like um, I forget the cast name, but I remember for some reason I feel like I watched like a twenty minute documentary about the making of it and why it was so wonderful. Sure. Um, but it just got really pared back, and all that was left was this is very um, somehow like felt like a very like intimate retelling of this story that it was the sort of thing where it's like it was so inventive in the way that it approached a text that it didn't really tinker with it all mm. that it left people being like has Oklahoma always been this mm. and it's like absolutely wow like, that sounds like a huge on, success yeah and it's like if on paper you it can had be. one show in the world that you could see it didn't matter when or where it was at any point in time or space what is the one show you wish you could see could have seen I think my mind went straight, and I'd probably changed my mind if I thought about this harder. Yeah. But I think I'd really love to see like the the, the very first production of Hair. 
Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. That's a good answer. I think. That's a great answer. Um, just because of how much it changed for musical theatre and for mm. theatre generally. And I would love to see what it was like for the audience to be there. Mm. and to see the way that that show occupied the space that it was in and to also like ideally if it's an option in this like thing you're proposing to experience the conversation surrounding the production absolutely that is an option yes you get to hang out in the foyer afterwards thank you yeah great what would your answer be my answer would be the lord of the rings musical okay <laughs> that is a real answer sure um, okay it's a three would you go opening night what would you do i don't care any night as long as it's like the full thing because it was this ridiculous over-inflated budget show in Toronto with three acts with a multi-tiered centric spinning ring stage with multiple parts that span in different directions and when go up it's like it looked like a real feat of engineering the entire performance mm. the songs are amazing they're all on Spotify if you have a chance guys YouTube Lord of the Rings musical because it's surprisingly good it sounds really like light and folky doesn't it like it's oh let's go to the mountain there's, there's, there's I think you're thinking of this, the Hobbit song there is like one or two very <laughs> very up and cheap upbeat and cheery songs but no the rest of it's quite like because Tolkien always sort of envisioned his pieces being more about music and song. Mm. Like, he always wrote songs and they were very huge, important parts of the work. So it, like, works really well as an actual adaptation of the text. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think it sounds so hauntingly beautiful. Um, some of the songs are really beautiful. And I just, I wish I had seen it. I've always regretted... Well, I mean, I can't really regret. I would have been unable to see the show at any point in time. But I always wish I could have seen it. I just, yeah. My house, my old housemate, Astley, um, she went and saw it when it was over, I think it was in the West End at one point. Mm. Maybe, or maybe she was But she saw it, and I've always been jealous. Sure. For my life. Oh, that's a lovely nerdy answer. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> um, were we doing five-star ratings of weeks? I, of something. Let's... I did 580 stars. Of the last 20 minutes. Last 20 minutes. Um, I uh, enjoyed the conversation we just had for the last two and a half minutes mm. or so, so I'll give that conversation a 72 out of five. That's a good, good stars. Why 72? Um, because it felt like a large number. I feel like I haven't rated anything in the 70s lately. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, it's fun that seven is so pointy. Um, that's oh, my seven answer. days. Seven days. To Are create you... the universe. Oh, I thought you were the ringing me. Seven <laughs> days. Um, don't worry, listeners, that does not affect you. You did not just get Samarid. Fear not. <laughs> um, did. Do you want to talk about some fringe shows? I mean, sure, we're here to do that, aren't we? Uh, here it out. Fringe Dionysus. That's not that rolls off the tongue. That does roll off the tongue, that one. Not more so than other words that one can say. Well, I think you should just hit end and let's go. Okay. Hey there. Oh, yuck, hate that. What? Too sensual? Not sensual enough. I Sounds more like wet cheese, you do. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I really want to see... I want to be in Babe City Hotline too. Oh, do it. Try, okay, give it another go then. Okay, do, what do I... Hey. Now my what? penis just crawled inside myself. <laughs> Bad. Um, so I went to Theatre Works. Theatre Works classic. Out, out there for us. <laughs> Go on. Uh, went to Theatre Works to see My Mum Died and I Want to Sing About It by Jack West. Cool. It was Sounds a, fun. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds upbeat. It was yes. a one-off performance of this show. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So I went alone. Oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, got there, went inside. Um, the set itself was immediately striking. It was like, they take they took the space and kind of like cut it diagonally like a sandwich with like 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 glittery streamers. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then kind of like lined across, sort of like continuing sort of like perpendicular, not perpendicular, parallel to those streamers, 
very tightly next to it was kind of like a, like a like a flat catwalk thing that then bent up that turned into one of those like infinity walls that you take photos in front of. Oh, wow. So that did that. And then there was also like a portrait of presumably his mother sitting on the left-hand side of the stage when you're looking at it. Mm. Uh-huh. And then on the right... Stage were... right. And then on the right-hand side... Left. On the right-hand side, uh, downstage a little bit, were seats for what ended up being like a six-piece band. Oh, my God. Sorry, a five-piece band. Oh, only five. Only five. What? That's so cool. Insane. Um, So that was there. And there was like a microphone stand in the center for Jack to eventually use. There were like there were like cabaret tables at the front, which was cool. Oh, maybe the same cabaret table. They may have like a cabaret thing they can put in there. What's a cabaret thing? Sorry, I just only realized this now. Because when I went to see... um, Oh god, I can't remember the name of the show now. Uh, the show there that had like the cabaret seats in the front row. Mm-hmm. It, I'm just saying, I know exactly the cabaret seats you mean. Oh, the one where it was like the cabaret with no music allowed. Yes, yeah, yeah that show. Yeah, yeah, sure, great. <laughs> um, that was something that was called about like whispers or something. Was it not like sexy sensations or? Like... Yeah, it was something. It was something like. Forbidden chocolate. <laughs> what was that called? I, I need to know now, so I'm going to quickly look that okay, up. Okay, wh- what are you possibly going to Google? Sensor. Sensor. It was called Sensor, and it had that beautiful cabaret. I just think those are beautiful cabaret tables, and I enjoy seeing them when they can get them out. Great. Cool. Well, they were out. Great. <laughs> I, of course, avoided them. Naturally. <laughs> of course. And so I sat maybe like, oh, I think it was like the front row, but in like the seating bank part, you know, for safety. Uh-huh. Um, very happy for like the, the couple that were sitting in front of me at the tables. They were very affectionate with each Aww. other. Yeah. Good for them. Great for people like you who I'm see in things. I mean, my loving love era. So that's really cute. Right. I'm really glad that you're into that. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I was very happy for them. <laughs> you know, so just letting you know the mindset that I was in going into this. Not great. No, <laughs> no I'm very, again, jazzed for them. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so then he comes out, Jack comes out, and then he kind of like introduces the show. And like one of the first lines of the show is like, Welcome to my mother's funeral. Jesus. And like, I didn't, like, the, 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 those words smacked me in the face in like mm. a way that they seem to have also touched you a bit. Yeah. Of like, it's a, a strong way to begin, just mm. in the way of like, it felt like. You aren't allowed to say that. (laughs) That feels bizarre immediately. It felt somehow like, obviously this woman is dead for real and had a funeral. Um, It really felt like opening like a forbidden book that you were not supposed to open again. Yeah, wow. It felt almost like, you know when they like open the book in The Mummy and then... The (laughs) The Mummy comes out, I presume. (laughs) Like Rachel Weisz reads a page from the Book of the Dead Mm. and then this strong wind picks up because she's obviously cast an Egyptian spell or something. And then that man in the funny hat runs out of his tent and he's like, you must not read from the book. (laughs) So (laughs) you're saying that's what a mother's funeral feels like. Is that what you're that's saying? That's what it feels like when someone, like, I don't know, somehow recommences the very complete ritual of farewelling a woman's life yeah. in a in a liturgical sense. And then bringing that to the stage. That's bold. Bold, confronting, you know, yeah, in a way, it was just very powerful, scary language to yeah. be using. But yeah, so that's how it sort of started. And then, yeah, he, t- he d- yeah, told this, like, a number of stories all kind of, re- like, revolving around his experience of saying goodbye, like, his mother's death and the things wow. w- that he was up to when that was happening, w- the sort of person that she was, the way that it affected him. He sang a few songs throughout the entire thing, mm. one of them being, I'm just a girl who can't say no. Oh, 
Uh, why is that sad? Oh, you were, Jake was singing that earlier today, and I didn't know why. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because intermittently since seeing this show, I've like yeah developed a new relationship with that song. Yes. Um, yeah, particularly the one from the production that we were just talking about. Oh, really, really Oklahoma City. <laughs> See, that is the one. That is the one. That is the one. Yes. Uh, yes. So then, yeah, he told that story. Um, yeah, and uh, it was it was like a cool, interesting experience. Into like it was an interesting thing to do with grief. Yeah. Sure. You know. Um, which is, yeah, and it's one of, like, a couple of shows in the Fringe this year that had to do with, like, mother death. And uh, that's great. great, you know? And it's it's interesting. And it's neither good nor bad, and I hate saying interesting in such a vague way, but interesting to, like, see artists happy to plunder that type of grief in the way of, like... Jack said in this show that she said that um, as she was dying, she was like, Jack, absolutely use this for whatever you want to use it for. Wow. And, and in the way that Jack told the story, it kind of suggested that, like, <laughs> use it if you, like, want to get out of work one day or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm too sad about my dead mother. I can't come to work. Like, use it like that. I don't know if she thought that what would end up happening is that he would end up making a show out of her, like, deafness. Yeah. Um, but in a way, I guess she kind of signed off on it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting the way that people plunder their own experiences for theatre. And art generally, but theatre, I think especially in my mind, I find really fascinating. Yeah, well, it almost, I mean, this sounds like a very simple thing to say, but it almost sounds like the other way around. It sounds more like it's using theatre to sort of deal with the, the thing that, that he's discussing, you know? Like, sure. Like, this one reminds me of um, uh, that the comedian I saw, Bailey Dun- Bunning? No, the show is Bunny. Oh, Barney Duncan? Barney Duncan, thank you. Yeah. Um, did a sim- not similar thing, but a, a similar vibe of he did this comedy show and he sort of mentioned that his mother had died and didn't want to talk about it and mm. used the show to talk about it in a roundabout way. And I find it when, uh, you're right, when artists do bring something so personal and so, um, well, sad to sort of bring comedy and fun and, and, and theatre into the world, I think, yeah, that's just immediately fills that theatre with so much more poignancy, I think, than for, for me. I just find it hard not to take that seriously. Sure, sure. Which, I, yeah, and that's, I, I guess, yeah, a type of seriousness that some people really appreciate, I suppose. That's not to say that I don't, but yeah, I can no, no, see no, no, how yeah. that adds a special, like, a special type of something to the atmosphere of a piece when you can see that it's clearly tied to something significant for the performer in a really real-life way that they are in like directly engaging with yeah um as opposed to something like knowing that a, a you know that an actor is playing a character going through something similar to what they went through but to actually have someone on stage talking about their this is what parent. happened like, yes and now what? i'm talking to you about it yeah. and it affected me like this is interesting um but even you saying language like it being a way for people to cope with something and for them to understand something i don't know for some reason my mind is maybe unhelpfully sorting those types of art differently depending on whether or not the intention of the piece is to like show you things that they learned from the experience or if it is intended to truthfully or not intended to be a method through which they can cope with an experience Mm. um for some reason that feels like a significant thing that my mind is doing in terms of separating goat from sheep yep um and it's trying to affix levels of significance to those types of art or types of legitimacy to those types of art. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, and I don't I guess think, it's all legitimate, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I don't think that that, that thought experiment is one that I want to engage yeah. with, but it's what my lazy brain is doing. What, what do you, this show that you saw was it more 
here are lessons I learned, or here are, here is how I'm coping with it. What do you I think it was, it was? It was even more, so maybe it was even some third thing, where I was just kind of like, as the title says, my mum died and I just want to sing about it. God, that's such a good premise. It's... No, it's one, not a good, like, not the, my mum died, but the, the premise of just like, here is reason X. I want to sing about it. I think that's, mm. I just think it's, it's, you don't need necessarily a great reason to just get up and do some songs. Sure. And if you do give that reason for getting up and singing, if you do give it a emotionally charged reason, I think that's even better. But I just I just love shows that are like, I want to do some like what was it um, Alan Cumming? Mm. Did um Alan Cumming sing sappy songs? Like that was just mm. one of his shows where he just wanted to sing sad songs. And sure. I think that that sort of premise is great. Mm-hmm. I always love that. Sure. If they're singing good songs. Sure. I suppose there's something charming about that in the way that it isn't trying to smack on some sort of additional pretense or... Well, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just, here are some songs I want to sing. Here's a vaguely, fa- va- thinly veiled reason for me to sing them. Mm-hmm. And then if you do give it more emotional weight of like it being a genuinely traumatic thing, power to you. But I think that's so fun to just get up and sing songs. Yeah. Sure. No, that is nice. Um... Yeah. I don't know. For, for that reason, it was just kind of nice and like, especially towards the end of the piece, it was just like... My mind got to a place of like how nice it is, and again, it went back to this thing that I keep coming back to: the, the, the idea that we should all be living in a meadow together. Is <laughs> like, it's so nice to think that a person has gone through such a profound loss, and has in this meadow fantasy, been like maybe someone's been like, could you tell us about what it's like to lose a parent? And then they gather us all around a fireplace, mm. and they're like, it kind of feels like this. This is how it happened to me. And then there's just like songs as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. You know, like there's just something sweetness about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you only did the one night? Um, I don't know. Maybe it was about um, theatre works being a large space and it's hard to fill that space, maybe. And I think yeah. he's also from out of town. Am okay. I making that up? I think maybe he's Sydney-based or he's just taken the show to Sydney. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it's also because like maybe the theatre works was crowded with fringe shows and so yep. there was just maybe one slot left or something. And yeah. He, I don't know, it was offered the position or received, oh, like, seized it. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. It sounds like a really unique show. Absolutely unique. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I was there. And again, another instance of an artist being really generous and vulnerable, which it is sounds always... Sounds like God. Yeah. And the band was so impressive. I mean, to also... have a five-piece band is pretty slight. Oh my God, to be able to, like, stand in the middle of a stage, a lo- like, a really beautiful stage, mm. and do anything, and then at any point, gesture to your left and be pointing at... A, a this... band. A band? That's great. And just say, boys, and they start playing something. Oh That's magnificent. Oh my God. Fantasy. Fantasy. We need to get a band. Ah, uh, we need a, a band. A praise Dionysus band. <laughs> band Dionysus. <laughs> Not wordplay. Praise Fringinysus. That you one? Stop praising Isis. Hello, Jake. Oh. oh, on this, the eve before the spookiest eve in all the year, we are gathered together to talk about the sketchbook of horrors. Oh, God. Do you like this? Am I about to get hamleted? You're about to get spooked. Oh, so that's similar. Similar! That was the <laughs> energy behind David Massingham's little sketchbook of horrors. Making me feel like a protagonist in Making a you feel like play. a protagonist. Yes, exactly. That's yes. right. Um, <laughs> so, David Massingham, I've got to go full disclosure here. Yes. You remember when I saw the big hoo-ha? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, I remember when you saw the big hoo-ha, that you improv extravaganza. Right. I refuse to say anything like that. Well, you... shot. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I went along to see the big hoo-ha, like, weeks ago now. And it's this improv comedy group in Melbourne. that are, They're in, all over Australia, apparently. But they're also in Melbourne. And they're terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, and David Massingham was the... Um, the uh, 
MC, the the the, the um showrunner for the night. The one that sort of made sure all the teams are doing the right things and kept everything together. Okay. Um, and I said in that show, in that um episode I spoke about, it, I was like, I want to see this man do other things. I think he's great. And here I am going to see him do other things. Dreams are coming true. Dreams are coming true. It's all happening. It was at the Butterfly Club mm-hmm. in the downstairs space. Great space. Which is a great space, especially for like any sort of like spooky show. Because mm. it's like you have to go descend into. So the the vibe of this show is. You, you all the imagery is like all the pr- production pictures, promotional pictures, like him in this be- David Messingham who has beautiful, long, gorgeous hair in this beautiful velvet green blazer with like a obviously taxidermied bird and a big book. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it, and you walk down the stairs into the space, and the first thing we see at the bottom of the stairs, staring directly up at us, is David Messingham. Oh my god! In his green blazer, and he's just standing there creepily fondling something in his arms. And he's just going like, hello, oh. <laughs> which, which is already a terrific start to a show. I, Jake, mm. we, we appreciate different things about theatre. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and I love a spooky camp silly time. Okay. And so walking down and having this, this, this riffraff adjacent lurch motherfucker just going, Hello was immediately a very comforting sight for me. Uh, felt like home. Felt like home. <laughs> Wandered in, sat down. <laughs> Move! <laughs> yeah, I'm Wanda. I hear it as well, I hear it as well. Um, walked in, sat down, had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so the show starts, and it's a sketch show. Okay. And it's uh, he, he sort of emerges from the back and is is... It feels like I never watched any of these shows, but you know, like Crypt Keeper or like or those um, not maybe not Crypt Keeper, those shows that would be like anthology stories of like individual little horror stories with like a narrator who would be in like a jacket sitting next to a fireplace. That's kind of Crypt Keepery. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. Okay, so maybe it is Crypt Keepery. I'm actually not too sure. I'm only uh, quite familiar with Crypt Keeper because of Julie Klausner, so I don't know lots and lots about it. But sure. that's what I understand it to be. But yeah, he's sitting there going, "Welcome." To the cabinet of curiosities, like that sort of vibe. Sure, like are you afraid of the dark, but with like a host quack quack? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, that sort of vibe. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it episodic was... horror stories. Exactly. Yes. Which was the framework he used to present a sketch show, Great. which I think, first of all, excellent pairing. Because it meant that in between each sketch, he could return to his little chair. Oh, like and... the narrator in Rocky Horror. Exact. Why did I miss that? I don't know. Oh. God, my brain. It's because you were worried you would start thinking about We've the We've been Victoria recording Justice for five production. hours, yes, that's why. Obviously, yeah. I spoke over you so I didn't hear what you actually said, and I ah. also don't care. So, <laughs> we're friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told. All right, try to prove it, but that's fine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, I'll fucking prove it in a second. <laughs> so, um, like the narrator in Rocky Horror. Oh, what a good thing you thought better, of. <laughs> much better analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, I just want to get out of the way straight away. One of my favorite bits in this whole show. One of the recurring jokes was he'd return to his little chair, sit down, and this you'd hear the footsteps and a knocking at the door, and then the door swings open, and you'd hear this voiceover go, Professor Van Helsing! Professor Van Helsing, come quickly! Someone in town has been bitten and is spouting bile! And he would sort of obviously be Professor Van Helsing, and he'd pause for a second and just say, like, Tell them I'm not home! <laughs> that would be the end of the bit. And it just kept happening. And the whole idea of the bit was just like, what if Van Helsing had just said, 
No. <laughs> and I think that is really funny. That's funny. I just think that's funny. Just tell them I'm not who. Well, a lot of people would have gotten in a lot more trouble. A lot of people would have died, Jack. Yes. Again, I have not finished reading Dracula yet. All I have to go off is that really excellent performance of that high school production of Dracula. Was fantastic. And also the, the hit the Hugh Jackman movie. Oh, of course. I mean, yes. that's one of my favourite movies. That's a great movie. That's a really good movie. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Is Mika, Who's the love interest in that? Kate Beckinsale? Kate Beckinsale. Mm-hmm. Sexy. Anywho. <laughs> oof. Anywho. Um, yeah, so it proceeded to just be a bunch of sketches presented in the framework of this sort of show. I will say David Massingham is a big fan of audience participation. Yuck. Multiple <laughs> moments of audience. I will not spot... Now, I wish I could talk more about the audience participation. Mm. But if I were to say anything about what it all sort of eventuated in, I feel like it would spoil a really great beat in this show. So I'm sure he's going to do this show again. So if you do get a chance to go and see David Massingham's Little Sketchbook of Horrors, you will have a fun time and I, I will be able to talk to you about the audience participation. All I can say is I was brought up to participate in a group of people at the end of the show. So I did have an audience participation moment in the show. Um, I will say one of the best parts of the audience participation, the way the, that he ran it, was he had like a box that he gave to one of the audience members at the start and this, he, at some point in the show, he obviously got this person up on stage and there was a voiceover of a woman pretending to be the inner monologue of this person that he brought up on stage. Mm-hmm. So the voiceover would be like, hmm, what a comfortable chair. I think I'll sit down there. So like the whole thing was just, she just had to do whatever the voiceover said, which I thought was really funny. It's really funny. Like, it's like, hmm, I'm going to open this box now. What's inside? So it's just <laughs> the sort of safe audience participation where you don't really need to think on your feet. You just do what it says. Okay. And I think I think that was quite nicely handled. Mm-hmm. In a way that, because sometimes, as we've discussed, audience participation can just be a, a babe thrown into the woods. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so scared for them. But it was just nice to see like this person still be a bit nervous, but sort of be like, oh, okay, I only have to sort of do what this voice says. And regardless of your opinion, I will continue to throw babies into the woods. Continue. A lot of dead babies in that woods. You don't know they're dead. I assume they would be by now. What if they were raised by wolves? Wolves seem like they're really into raising... How many babies have you thrown into that woods? As many as there are... How many wolf babies are out there, Jake? (laughs) More than you'd think. And they're they're coming. They're coming fast. They're They're coming coming for you. For revenge? They were thrown into the woods. They're not coming for a party. When they were a baby, they don't remember why they were in the woods. They just know that their friends are wolves. never forgets. And they were raised as wolves. <laughs> that is a fun prologue. I wonder what that show is. It is about a bunch of people who were raised by wolves that find each other and then they go about getting wolfy revenge. Uh, maybe not wolfy revenge, just like wolfy acceptance. They go around trying to be wolf? accepted by people. Oh. As but, wolves. But they're too wolfy. Yeah, the whole thing is like, I want you to accept me as the wolf I am. And then like the mother turns around and is like, I can't accept you, you're a wolf. <laughs> There's no other musical cues in the show. It's all just the guitar riff. Do you think one of them could pretend to be a werewolf to get some of that like new moon clout? Sure. <laughs> and so sure. they have to run off every full moon and pretend to turn into a werewolf. And they just go and sit in their room and read a book really quietly. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing that for? It's like, Dad, <laughs> my girlfriend thinks I'm a werewolf. I can't go out tonight. Say no more, son. Say no more. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on from that. Yes. Um, yes, there were lots of like really, really good... I think David Massingham is a really, really masterful sketch person. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also proven by his role in Big Hoo-Ha! Which I think is a really, really great sketch comedy group. I think they're terrific. Great. Um, 
Yeah, and I think if you get a chance to go along and see the show, you absolutely should. Uh, Jake, do you, you, would you, would you come with me to see David Massingham's Little Sketchbook of Horrors? It sounds fun if you promise all of the audience participation is not necessarily going to fall onto my shoulders. And if it, it were may to happen... do. There is a lot of, I, I, one thing I will say, when I saw the show, it wasn't a super full audience. Mm. And there's a lot of audience participation. Mm-hmm. So there was, there were certain points when there were a lot of people on stage. Was anyone left unscathed? <laughs> Like some people, some, you're lying. I'd say I'd say more than half the audience got audience participation. Good God! It's a lot of audience participation. <laughs> well, great. But like I said, it's done really well in I'm a sure. way that doesn't demand too much of you, and you all are on stage together. It sounds so very safe. Look, it's I, very nice. I survived Fifi's fifth. <laughs> if you survived Fifi's fifth, you can survive this. Sure, but you might not emerge the same. Oh, <laughs> you can't see the hand gestures I'm doing, but they're very spooky. Mm. <laughs> Hey, James. Hi, Jake. Hi. Did you know that there's, like... Do you know what the Speakeasy Theatre is? Uh, the, as in on Chapel Street? No, that's Speakeasy, a restaurant that we're needlessly talking about. Okay, well, um... <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, well, it exists. It's on, like, Flinders Street? Oh. James, it's bonkers that this place exists and we haven't been there. Where it's, is it? It's magical. Like, where it's is it like, on Flinders Street? It's, like, one block further down. Like, you know when you pop out at the Elizabeth Street exit of Flinders Street? Uh-huh. Yeah? Yeah. Then you turn left, mm-hmm. then you keep walking down Flinders Street. Mm-hmm. You get to the aquarium. Yep. And then you go, like, one block further. Oh, God. And then okay. on the side that isn't the side the station's on, like, the other side of Flinders Street, there's this, like, very unassuming door that you just go into, and then suddenly you're, like, face-to-face with this staircase. You go up this staircase, and then you are suddenly inside of, like... I don't know if it was Halloween themed. It was like this spooky looking performance venue. Oh my God. That looked like it had been there since like 1940. What the And fuck? it's got like, like a, a carpeted staircase. It's like got a cordoned off performance area with like red curtains keeping you out. There's like a rickety little bar. There's all these like young staff members walking around. Can I Google image this live on air? No, I can. Uh, I don't want to have a look at it. (laughs) Well, yeah, just, yeah. Theatre of the mind. Theatre, just think. (laughs) (laughs) You picture it just so we can keep having a dynamic conversation as opposed to you seeing photos and I go, yes. Uh, (laughs) If that's okay with you. I can do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's like, it has almost like, at least this night had a real sort of like Rocky Horror vibe in terms of turning up and it was just kind of like how does this venue exist it sounds amazing and i've spoken to a couple of people who also did not know what was there until the fringe festival this year and we've all said the same thing of like it makes us want to make art for this venue has it only just been reopened or something maybe i have not looked into it no i think it's been there for quite some time like wow. just having glimpsed their instagram presence uh, they do a lot of like burlesque cabaret stuff there right. and it seems like it's been there for a while oh my god but okay. it seems like magic and so I get there, I'm sort of like 20 minutes early for this show called The Milf Next Door. <laughs> Good. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm standing there, like at the top of this staircase, um, waiting for the show to begin. And again, I'm standing sort of near where these curtains are keeping me out of a performance venue, which is not the stage that I'm going to, but it's a stage. At this point, I know nothing. I yep. don't know what I'm doing here. But I got one of the bartenders to reassure me that I would be shown where to go when the time came. Thank God. That would not have been enough, though. I'm sure I would have gotten lost if it weren't for this group of like four drunk girls that came and were like loudly asking all the questions I wish I could ask. <laughs> like, where are we going? <laughs> what time is it? Start. So you became the New York City in their Sex and the City group. I became like, mm, if they'd never befriended Stanford Blatch, <laughs> but he really wanted to be part of their social circle. Okay, okay. Um, 
God, I hate Stanford so much. I have made a reference to a show that I don't know anything about. Fantastic. I'm not glad the actor is dead. <laughs> That's a good stance to take. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Um, yes. So, uh, so they, the, these girls then proceeded to like take video footage of their cheersing and so forth. Like they oh. were ready for a good time. Oh. No, I was grateful that they were there. Okay. They were having a great night. <laughs> Happy for them. Happy for them. But yeah. So eventually, we sort of like. So <laughs> while I'm waiting to get shown to where this show is going to happen, I can hear the show that's happening in the space right behind this red curtain, uh-huh. and it's like. I hear a ha- like something get hammered. I hear a bunch of glass break. Oh. I hear a bunch of swearing. I'm like, literally, what is the show happening back there? And so then the time comes where they're like, okay, everyone that's here for Marilyn's show, we're going to go through and see the show now. Um, and so I didn't know that the woman in the show was named Marilyn, so I wasn't sure if that was the show for me. Again, that's why I was grateful for these tipsy girls. Great. Because they were like, oh, that's the show we're seeing. And I knew I was seeing the same show as them. So you just followed the drunk so girls. So I could just follow the drunk girls. Hell policy yes. that I live by every day of my life. That's good. <laughs> okay. Yep. So I follow the drunk girls and the rest of the audience through this performance space. So the curtain gets peeled aside and we walk through this be- the performance space that I've been overhearing the content of for the last 10 minutes. And all I see on this little semicircular stage is this person <laughs> dressed as a babushka <laughs> oh. leaning down and picking up shards of what seems like broken vase and maybe a bunch of coins <laughs> oh my god so what was this space that you the show was still going the show was I still think, going I think the show had just ended and the, the performer was, was like cleaning up, oh, cleaning up after the, the aftermath of the show what was that show I have truly no idea was it a burlesque called babushka I hope that's great I'm not sure And but also around them there was like Chairs and couches full of maybe like 30 people who had been watching this loud babushka-tacular. I'm not sure. They loved it. So we walked past that. Then we walked through a little other room that felt like a small little living room. Then we walked down a corridor past some bathrooms. And at this point, the walls are white. Then we walked down a rickety old staircase. What the fuck? Maybe three flights down. Then we turn another corner. And then we go through a curtain. And then we are inside this little bunker of a theatre, which feels like three stories underneath Flinders Street. (laughs) Oh, my God. This feels like an amazing intestinal space. Very intestinal. Yeah, like it, you're <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, we, we feel so deep underground. There's probably room for maybe like 15 people to sit there. We each have kind of like a beautiful little chair to sit in each. Um, I sit as far to the side as I can to not attract attention. Fair enough. Um, and, yeah, and, and the stage itself is kind of like, maybe what, like, it's probably like half a meter off the ground. And, is but still has like this beautiful velvet curtain on it. Mm. Um... And, and it isn't super deep, as far as I can tell, but it's just this beautiful little setup that almost feels like theatre is forbidden, but we're secretly going to do one. Wow, that's <laughs> such a nice setting. Super duper nice. Um, but yeah, and then Marilyn comes out, and then the show starts. Great. <laughs> it's, so yeah, it's the MILF next door, and so what it then is, is her playing like a 50-ish woman, um, telling the story of her getting uh, going through a divorce... And then her just sort of like having a bunch of sex with a bunch of guys between the ages of like 20 to sort of like a couple of the guys are a bit older, but Mm. focusing on the guys that are in their 20s and 30s that she has these romantic entanglements with. And and there's like songs in it and it's songs. And I love this style of cabaret where it's like she's taken songs and then changed the words to match what she's singing about. Yes. She made it just to pack like a lot of her backstory as a person into Barracuda. (laughs) (laughs) 
Great song choice. Oh my god, it was so impressive. Um, Do you have any examples of the lines she changed? No, I've no, no, I cannot okay, recall okay, them. Okay. But yeah, there was but that. Were, okay, there was another one where she was like, uh, she did Amy Winehouse's Rehab, but she changed yeah. the lyrics to, he tried to make me do anal, but I said no, no, no. Oh my god, that's fantastic. Immaculate theatre making. What an incredible <laughs> choice. She did Abba's Money, 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 but changed it to when this guy was talking to her in like in a sunly way and in the way that he wanted mummy, to. Mummy, mummy, mummy. It was like, be my mummy, mummy, oh! mummy. <laughs> yes. Incredible work. Great and it choice. Was, and she was just like, oh, like she was like electric and funny and peculiar. And definitely at times she had like, she had like glimmers of... Like, we've both worked a lot in, like, hospitality, mm. and especially, like, in theatre venues. Oh, yeah. You know there's people that come up to you, and they're, like, buying wine before they're seeing, like, the bodyguard? Yeah. And they just have this presence about, like, she was wearing this beautiful sequined top, and they have this presence of, like, you are clearly such a fun, interesting person. Yeah. Um, and it would be so fun to, like, be your friend and, and go out with you. by your own rules and having fun. That thing, yeah, where it's like, oh, you can be this yeah. version of an adult. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. That kind of thing. It's like, oh. And, it's, and it also, too, like, especially during, like, the first five to ten minutes of it, watching this woman do this show like something that was so magnificent about it was it was almost the thing of like she's telling this story about going through a divorce reclaiming her sexuality having a really good time and of course on top of that as we just said you can be that type of adult and it's a totally valid way to be Mm. but then there was something magical about it of it being like it's almost you could consider it an example of a person coping in a way that many people wouldn't take seriously as a way to be like a middle-aged-ish person. Like, if you were to say to somebody, she went through a divorce and now she's doing a one-woman show about having a bunch of sex, there are some boring people that would be like, well, that's tragic. Oh, that's yeah. stupid. What a lame thing to do. Yeah. Where it's like, it's absolutely not. You know? That's and I'm so glad fun. that I saw this woman do this. Yeah. Because it's like, she's clearly having such a good time. This is so fun to watch. This show is so strange. But it's also like... I truly think it was during like the closing moments of the show where she was singing one of her like wonderful songs. Her, her singing voice is so fun to listen to, but she was like dancing along to the song and like singing it. And th- something about okay, I've been hitting, being hit by so much light recently, just like lighting states. But You've she been was a lot of shows. I had to. Be <laughs> but she was she was singing, she was dancing, she was wearing this sequined top, and like light was hitting her like in a particular way, mm. and I just felt it again. It, I knew that this moment that I was seeing is now going to be one of the things that pop into my mind when I start in any way interrogating the way that I've tied like shame to sex in such a distinct way. Yeah, wow. You know, because there was something so emboldening and and exciting and gave me more courage even as I was watching the show of being like, this woman's telling these stories about like trying to find satisfaction and joy through sexual encounters. And she's on stage underground in sequence, singing about it with like shamelessness and courage and with such a sense of joy about it. Wow. That it's like, Oh my God, I like, I could feel this way about like sex and closeness and, and feel this sense of liberation that this woman has found. And uh, I will often think about her. I think anytime that I start thinking about my relationship with sex in that sort of way. Yeah, wow. Yeah. What it a was, powerful performer. Yeah, which I did not expect to... As, as I was, like, slithering into my little chair, I wasn't thinking, like, oh, this will be it. my perspective of sex is going to change tonight. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that sounds like such a really lovely experience. It was so cool and so strange. Yeah. For so many reasons. I mean, that theatre itself sounds amazing. Yeah, oh, my God, we need to go sometime We need soon. to go. We need to find literally anything they're doing just and as an excuse to go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this performer sounds great. Do you think she's going to do more? 
I don't know, I think she's been touring this show for a little while. I wonder what she's going to do next. I don't know. I think she's also, like, I think she teaches something. I think she teaches, like, writing or something at a university. I'm not sure. sure. sure, sure I don't sure. know heaps about her. But, um, yeah, keen to know more and keen to see what she does next. Because, yeah, yeah great. she's got such, a, like, a unique vivacity to her. One of your fringe, uh, a quint- quintessential fringe moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Huh? Uh, oh, fringe essential. Fringe essential. See, even that isn't really anything. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, well, I'm out here trying. You are. Praise Dianai Fringe. Uh, yep, yep, that's almost something too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> um, have, do you remember the last time that like a show has bumped up against your feelings about? Your attitude towards sex. Sex. I feel um, like I'm having those experiences a lot, but you, you... seem to be. Yeah. No, yes. I, I think when I think about my as in my rela- my relationship with sex. Yes. Not really. How not... do you? Okay, then if how do you feel like you will grow with your sex ventures? What What does that question mean? Like when you get to like your forties and your fifties. Yep. Do you see it going in a particular way? Sexually. Sure. Not really. I'm pretty happy to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't feel... I think I've had those moments about, like, love watching shows and about, like, all sorts of things. But with sex, it's sort of like... Sex for me is sex. It's mm. just is what it is. Yeah. And I don't think there's ever been much for me to sort of question. Because mm-hmm. I think my relationship with sex has always been... That it's there, it's good, it's life-affirming and a positive thing. Um, it's life-affirming? Yeah, it's life affirming. It's it's one of those things that is like, if you whittle down human beings down to their core elements, that is one of the things that we are sort of meant to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and okay. and I think it's one of those things that, yeah, it's it's like it's it's, I don't know. It's I've never had a problem with it accepting that it's a good healthy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I I, I've never, I I have no real questions about where my sex life is going. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> Um, and I've never really, I can't think of any shows at least that have made me question anything about my life sexually. Like I say, I've definitely had thoughts about like my relationships with people and, and love and that sort of stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty good at re- removing sex from that if I, if, in my brain, like when watching shows. Well, in, in thinking about love, but like, oh, I, sure. I think when I see a show that's about sex and stuff, I, my usual thought is like, nice, that's, <laughs> that's cool. I oh, so when you think about love, you... When you think about sex, you aren't necessarily also thinking about love. Not necessarily. I can think about the two together. I think they do go hand in hand. Sure, but they are two very separate topics. They can be, yeah. I yeah. think so, in my brain. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I'm personally able to sort of go, sex and love, or sex and love, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I'm trying... I am now thinking, like, I've never seen a show that's made me question anything about my sexuality, or not sexuality, but, like, my sex life, or the, sex my having. relationship with sex. Yeah. yeah, right. Not really, no. Okay. I like sex. Think it's good. <laughs> That's it. That's the extent of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, but it's it's great that you're having a lot of like sex experiences in theater. Like that's cool. <laughs> sex experiences. Yeah, it's great how that sentence that sentence started cooler than it ended. <laughs> it sounded like you were going to say I was having a lot of sex experiences. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, in in theater, <laughs> <laughs> which is largely in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's called thinking, yes. apparently. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's really exciting, and, and I'm excited to hear more about your journeys of sex in theatre. Oh, good. I will burden you with these insights. <laughs> and you at home. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank listening. Thank you for listening, it's good of you. <laughs> Amazing.
amazing. Yeah, we've done it again. We've done it again. I oh. can't believe it. They said we couldn't. Mm. And so we shot them. <laughs> so we shot them and they're dead now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. God. Don't oh, tell God. anyone. <laughs> um, Jake? Yeah, James. Uh, what, what, what's your plan? Well, this is where we've come to an end of our okay, session so this of is, recording. Yeah, this is our big, one, like, our first of probably two big fringe sit-downs. Yeah, well, we've already done one big sit- fringe sit-down. Oh, yeah, well. I guess it's... This two. is the second of the fringe sit downs. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're calling our our our, our praise Dionysus fringe. That's what James is going to secretly gonna call work, it. Work with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is the end of our big session, and we're about to split up and do things. What are you doing now, Jake? Um. Uh. uh oh, I'm going to go get to spend an evening with a person. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> what a normal human being thing to say. <laughs> um. Which will be nice. What are you going to do this evening? I am going to go home, tidy my room. Have a little nap. Play a video game. Yeah. Maybe masturbate. Oh, yeah. And then go to bed. Good. That's a cozy little and night. And then work in the morning. Okay. Such fun. Great. Yes, that's my, my night. Great. Good. I was worried that we, we were going to keep tobogganing through the, the rest of your None future. Of my work. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's that's okay. No, no. Keep, keep some, keep some secrets. It's all depressingly similar. No, no. Um, oh, God. For now. For now. For now. For now. <laughs> for now you're in a little you're a little little grayscale patch I am yes you're right I'll get there you'll, you'll pop out I'll get there thank mm. you if anyone has any uh, any advice on how to be happy send it my way <laughs> <laughs> no I'm joking I am um, yeah I guess the only thing left to say is yes um, we may already disagree with everything we just said uh, friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Red hot factual so and true. then I think what's probably going to happen now is maybe there's going to be like a little interview one between, just so you you don't get sick of our voices melding together, I think maybe there'll be an interview episode next. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Possibly yeah. there might be a little guest star with me and somebody. I'm setting that up. I'm in the midst of setting that Very up. Very excited for you to hear. So, yeah, strap in for that. Um, but, yeah, but then we'll be back with another, like, yeah, another binge fest. Classic Jake and James. Yes. Um, the people again. have been clamouring for it. <laughs> Stop clamouring! Guys! Clamour, clamour. Clamour, clamour. Uh, great. Um, clamour? If there's not a clamour, clamour, like I clamour. hardly know her. Sorry, clamour. No, I'm just thinking, one. like, for some reason, I, my brain just insisted that there must be, like, clams in the live-action Little Mermaid making clamouring jokes. I do not stand by that opinion. I don't think they will be. <laughs> I think you're going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> we'll see. I think it's mostly fish. We'll see, spelt S-E-A. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.